Welcome to the GCW Plant Podcast, episode six. Once again with us, Mr. John J. Wolf. How are you doing tonight, John? You know, I'm I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you doing tonight? Doing good. I, uh, <laughs> as you we were kind of talking about earlier, kind of even though the Liverpool five shows, minutes ago, yeah, right. The Liverpool shows <laughs> were fun. It does kind of feel nice seeing uh, the UCC Center. Kind of feels like a. The second home for GCW, seeing another familiar venue. So, uh, yeah, I was excited for this, seeing it back in the States, seeing how they're going to capitalize off of what they just did in Liverpool. And this was a pretty fun show. Uh, before we get into the show, I know they made a comment before on Twitter, like uh, the crowd, a lot of the crowd and some of the wrestlers or maybe even some other talent was a little late to the show because of the horrible traffic in L.A., so if you do watch the show and you do see kind of like, oh, there's not that many people there, it starts off that way. It does fill up as the show goes on. They did actually delay the start even to this uh, night for about 15 minutes just to kind of fill up more people because I have been there before too when they've kind of done the same thing where, hey, something's going on. We have a bad feed to fight TV or fight TV's having issues. So they're telling us to wait or traffic is pretty backed up and our line outside's pretty big. Um so I have been there when they've kind of done these kind of things. So I know as soon as the show starts and as the show goes along, it does fill up and it does turn into a normal GCW show. It just might not start off as hot because of not the whole crowd is there. So just a little backstory on uh, this beginning of the night, kind of see how the, the show started off in LA at a rough start. But uh, this was a fun show. It is from the UCC, the Ukrainian Culture Center in Los Angeles, California. Um, I have to mention again, just because it is just kind of so noticeable, especially being in LA, that once again there mm-hmm. is no KG on commentary. Um, which is yeah, that kind of stinks. Yeah. No, no kidding. I just wanted to mention that because I think we mentioned it maybe two shows ago or three shows ago. Where, um, yeah, we kind of miss KG on the on the microphone, and that means absolutely nothing against Castle, MLJ, or Prazak. I'm just saying. You cannot replace that voice. Just like if MLJ was gone, I don't give a fuck if we put, it doesn't matter who's in there. You're not going to replace MLJ. Yeah. It's just, we haven't seen him for a while. We hope to see him soon. Again, it could be COVID. It could be who knows what. We want to make sure that hopefully no one's ill. We just want to send well wishes and we hope to see KG soon. Um, Before we started to, you mentioned the California crowd. I don't have a better way to put it, but it is the California crowd. Sometimes they show up a little later, but yeah, traffic yeah, in this <laughs> one was what bit the crowd. And yeah, the Cali lifestyle, no kidding. For people who are like East Coast fans or someone listening from somewhere else, the Cali lifestyle is just a little more laid back. So I think I said this before in an earlier show. Someone may not have heard it, though. Um, if you go to a baseball game in California, you know, uh, there will be... 20, 30, 40, 50% of the people there within the first three innings. By four, five, and six, it starts to really fill up. By seventh, eighth, and ninth, it's usually full. And if there's a team really losing, generally people are already filing out. That's just the California crowd. They show up late. They eventually do get there, though. But yeah, traffic half the time is really the biggest problem in LA. Yeah, and it like I just wanted to make mention to it because it was mentioned before. And if you did see the show or maybe you missed it, just kind of give a little backstory on how the kind of the night started. Because um, the reason I brought up KG in the commentary, because obviously, yes, it was very noticeable he wasn't there. And we kind of had uh, MLJ step step in for the first match with Dave Prezak. And then the rest of the night was Jordan Castle. 
Uh, just a quick little hit on Jordan Castle. This I he actually did. This was his best that I've heard of him on any commentary that he's done. Um, he I don't know if this was planned where he was supposed to be there and maybe he just was. He was one of the ones that was late and missed the first match. Um, or if he was scheduled to be there, or sorry, or if hey, like he wasn't scheduled to be there, just kind of hopped in and to fill in at the moment. I don't know, but it was kind of weird him just hopping in after this first match and then kind of filling in the rest of the night. But he did do good. But as you said, it's not a disrespect to Castle. It is just not the same hearing KG lose his mind in the back of the UCC on stage or delivering awesome comments during the matches and giving credence to maybe what happened in Liverpool. I made a mention in... Uh, Liverpool podcast when Jordan beat Blake how I was kind of wish that it was brought up more and I thought maybe this show in LA with KG maybe watching the shows he would make a bigger point when Jordan has his match later on of why that was such a big victory or why it was a big victory over any of the GCW people that had victories in uh, Liverpool and just him not being there kind of did take it away right away from me um but the show will go on just like always, and we will head into our first match of the evening as it is two competitors I have never heard of before. And holy shit, <laughs> it was amazing. Like, once again, they just find these people, wrestlers that I've never heard of, and they absolutely kill it. And that's what happens in this first match of the evening is Archangel Davino going one-on-one with Ultimo Valdito. And... Yeah, it was it was incredible. It was fun. Um, it took a breath there. You're like, shit. Where do I begin? Yeah, it was enter- it was entertaining. Um, what was your thoughts on the match, John? Okay, so these two were absolutely new to me. Also, the great news is they're brothers. So this is like a Phoenix Penta situation. And I'm gonna tell you, they wrestled exactly like they were brothers they knew each other through and through and it was obvious they're putting in some serious work and it was fast these guys were obvious veterans both men are freaking awesome um they protected each other really well that's one other thing i wanted to say because you really do see that quite a bit more or less in the lucha style because it's just so risky and same thing here i wanted to mention it because they were just so protective of each other it was just fantastic a lot of in and out of the ring action i that's the best way i can put it because there was a lot of insane moves and it was quick and fast paced in and out of there in seven minutes fantastic stuff man i would love to see them both come back again no questions asked yeah for i had zero idea what these two were and oh my god like the chemistry obviously now knowing that they're brothers makes total sense, but the chemistry these two had was fucking amazing. And like, um, Archangel, uh, does a crazy, like code, not even a code red, like, ah, I guess a code red Canadian story, whatever you want to call it. Because, uh, he like flipped onto Maldito's, like stood on his leg, turned around, jumped on his head, and then turned it into a cold red. Like, I've never seen anything like it. It was so smooth. Where that was my first thought. It was like, right away, it's like, okay, these two must have worked together a lot wherever they have wrestled from because it was amazing. And right away, I was like, okay, I want I want to see this match. Keep on going. This is the awesome start. Because I was questionable. Uh, we always talk about, like, the hot nights or hot starts to the night for GCW, where there'd be a scramble, two crazy high flyers. Um, 
an extreme title match, something. They always start off hot. And seeing two names that I never heard of, I'm, I was questionable already for the start. I'm like, okay, is these two just kind of filling in because of wrestlers running late and they just have to kind of put on a match and get the show going. Uh, were these two, I don't remember the, cause it's been a couple, it's been a week since, uh, this been out, but I don't remember like seeing their names advertised for the show. Actually, I do. I think I remember seeing one of the names advertised for the show. Cause I remember like, Oh, I never heard of them, but the way these two moved in the ring, the Lucha style that these two did was amazing. I right away add these two to gringo loco, ASF, Arez, uh, Jack cartwheel, Whoever you want to get in Lucha style, throw these two into a Lucha Extreme match because or Lucha oh, Scramble yeah. because this was fucking amazing. And these these two for the seven minute match it was, as you said, it was absolutely nonstop. It was just go, 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 go. And the crowd right away ate it up. I think I saw a standing ovation in the first two minutes of the night, which is kind of unheard of. So you could tell the crowd absolutely loved what they saw in the ring, and I loved watching it. Uh, on the screen because they their chemistry was crazy. It was it was amazing. I want to see just these two go at it again for a couple <laughs> couple matches in a row. Have a little series. Oh piece. yeah. And this is just my first time seeing them. So uh, absolute shout out to Davino and Maldito for this because like I said I had zero expectations. I was like okay let's see a fun match. But right away they just grabbed me and brought me into this match and I loved every single second of it. And our winner. Archangel Davino via tap out. No shit. The winner did not matter in this one. It didn't matter who won. It didn't matter who lost. The match was so damn good. It wasn't about the, the it wasn't about the finish. It wasn't about that end, you know, where a lot of a lot of things, maybe a lot of other matches, it would matter. This was so damn quality. It was not about that. It was just about what they were they were capable of doing fans love these two i do too again please come back they could have been given more time honestly and they could have filled it another four minutes you know that would have made it an 11 minute match which still would have been under the gcw average i feel like we're more like i put this in my notes i feel like we're more back to the level of wrestling that gcw generally puts on i feel like we may have been a touch muted at uh in england and i only say that maybe because of the amount of uh ringside area there that maybe they had to work with because gcw definitely used the hangar well but i felt like like God, it's like we're home it felt it felt yes. like we were home and the wrestling level was back up again to where it should be these two were fucking knockout dude i can't wait to see them again i hope they're back on la as soon as possible yeah, like I, <laughs> that was amazing because, like, even for this match to end by tap out was kind of shocking to me because, right? I'm like, hey, luchadors, and then you ended with a tap out, not some crazy high flying move, but how he got, how Davino got into the arm bar was uh, he ran off the ropes, jumped on to Maldito's leg. It seemed to be a, a cornerstone of this match. And then Maldito caught him into like a torture rack. And went to go spin it into like a torture rack, like slam. But then Davino twisted his way out of it and turned the torture rack into like the rotational head scissors where they just went around the body and then fell right to the ground and grabbed the arm and yanked it for a tap out. And like, I just thought these two were incredible. Like, brothers, not, I want to see, like, after seeing this, put them and Los Macisos together. Like, <laughs> that's what I seem to always do is like, after seeing a wrestle for the first time, okay, who do I want to see them wrestle against? These two, team them up if they're brothers going against Los Macisos because I think they could 
have an incredible match with or without weapons. I don't know how extreme these two guys get. They look like they probably could do the deathmatch style as well, but this Lucha style that they did was incredible. And I, as you said, I definitely, as soon as possible, want to see these two back in a GCW ring. That will lead us into our second match of the evening as Joey Janela teams with star boy Charlie having their grudge match against the South Pacific Savages. And this has been kind of brewing since the, uh, ooh, not even the last time in LA. I think it was the time before that they were in LA that this was match was kind of teased as the South Pacific Savages kind of uh, pick up a two and juicy finale. They uh, went after Starboy. They've been going after Starboy for almost damn near a year now, it seems like, but, uh, and his mom. So, uh, yeah, this was the grudge match. This was finally the match that we've been kind of, the show was kind of built upon and first match announced for this card. And what was your thoughts on this tag match? I love the Savages, dude. I'm a big fan of Hosses. Everybody knows that. Fatu is just a fucking beast. And then uh, here comes Juicy. It's just incredible how much beef is coming to the ring. I'd love to see how much those guys can eat. Like, I'm not <laughs> kidding that they're their bill at like the heart attack grill here in Vegas would probably be <laughs> a pretty large bill, man. I really would love to see how much protein they go through in a day. And I'm probably sure they know. They probably know as athletes oh, yeah. you know, how much they roll through. Um, yeah, the savages are exactly what I want to see out of heels. They're imposing. They just they come to the ring and people almost want to step back a little. They yep. they they have that. And yeah, you're gonna probably I'm even mention that, right? <laughs> I'm the one that hey, that's like when Ju when Jacob walks in the room, like especially at the UCC, the mood changes. And like I said, yeah. I I'm yeah. one of those people. Like I ran around the ring one time when Juicy was going after Starboy and Starboy's mom because or not Juicy. I'm sorry, Jacob Fatu was going after uh, Starboy's mom and all the madness because he's just grabbing chairs, chucking them at Matthew Justice, and Matthew Justice standing right here, but the chairs coming from 20 feet away. Jacob yeah. absolutely changes the mood of that room. Okay, so I was actually happy to see that most of this match went with traditional tag rules. It really added to it because we had one weakness in this match, really, and that's the way it was booked, was Starboy Charlie. Starboy Charlie would take a hit, and that son of a bitch would fly six feet back. Yep. And, I mean, he'd have some offense, but then somebody would just put a fist in his chest again, and he'd fall back again. So um, I was just realizing that Fatu is way more athletic than he looks, and I didn't know this. I don't know how in the hell he doesn't have a major contract yep. somewhere, and I don't know why, and it might be personal reasons, and it's none of my business, but he's one of those people that he's in that caliber where it may be time to pick him up as a, at a good price before he comes at a higher price later. Uh, there was a spot. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, like you said, I think he's criminally underrated because as you said, yeah, he, yeah. I've seen him in MLW, the little, like in GCW, he can put on a 30 minute match and tell an yeah. incredible story, do incredible moves, still be a menace as he is. Because like I said, I legit, I, I see Jacob Atu go like, <laughs> I, I think I told this story before. I'll say it again because it's embarrassing on my end. We were sitting in front row. It was, I think it was the South, like Juicy and somebody or Juicy going against Matthew Justice. And I was like, oh shit, right away. This is going to get bad. <laughs> this is going to get crazy. And chairs were flying everywhere. Like it felt like a, like 
how Joey Janela caused the riot. It felt like a riot where like I didn't know where to go. I was with my wife and I don't want my wife to get hit because obviously that's not going to be fun rest of the show. So I'm like, I'm trying to protect her, but she's just standing there enjoying the shit out of it. And I was like, hey, follow me. And I ran to the other corner because the action was getting near us. And then I'm looking back at her and she's just enjoying the show. And I'm the one chicken shitting, running away. Like, come on, like, stay away. Like, the action never goes near me. Like, I was just, yeah, Jacob, like, seriously, they, it's, I, when I first saw him, they were throwing beers in the ring at him in the ring for no reason at all. Like, I don't know. Like he, whatever he's done to the LA crowd, I've, that's the most heat I've seen him get ever <laughs> or almost any wrestler because he walks in right away. People want to throw shit at him, get in his face, cuss him out. And he's proven where he doesn't care. He's punched a fan. I know it's one of the fans that's at this show. Cause I see him all the time. He's punched a fan at another G, not a GCW show, but another company show because he don't give a fuck. Like Jacob Fatu is a bad dude. In the venue, in the ring and stuff like that, he is unpredictable. And as you said, as the hosses, I love seeing Juicy Finale being the big, mad, bad, mean hoss. Not like it's fun when he's Juicy Finale, Juicy for later. He's the smiley, juicy everybody loves. I think Jacob Fatu and this team of the South Pacific Savages is probably exactly what you've been crying, uh, not crying for, uh, clamoring for. And no, I, I cry. No, I cry. I cry a lot. Yeah, yeah, I was crying for it. I met at some point. Yeah, but I, I was crying because I'm like, oh shit, Jacob, I don't know where to go. Like I'm gonna be running away. And I think these two are just what GC, as you said, GCW needs some just monsters and menaces, and they don't care. They'll come in and ruin. Like they ruined. Uh, the match between Joey Janela and Starboy at the end when they had their match in San Francisco. And that's where kind of this started was the South Pacific Savages who been wanting to get their hands on Starboy interfered in the match with Joey Janela. That's how Joey Janela inserted himself into this feud. And I just think between those two, uh, Jacob and Juicy going against Starboy, I think that's a perfect story to tell because it's obviously the underdog against two monster heels. And how is Starboy mm-hmm. going to conquer these two heels? And these two just are nonstop, just causing chaos. And I love it because the mood does change and that just makes it for a way more entertaining match or whatever they're in a segment it's whatever it just makes it way more entertaining as a fan and get more invested and for me i'm literally invested just to save my own life and get the hell out of the way from juicy or keep saying juicy jacob because mm-hmm. jacob is a menace and i i want to see more of him in gcw to be honest with you. yeah that dude is brick thick yep um how could this company not have the baddest and meanest heels in the industry i mean that's just I think it just goes to say, if everybody's going to be badass, how could the heels not be the baddest ass of, of the bunch? Mm-hmm. Um, there was a spot where Janela hit a Samoan drop on Juicy, which <laughs> I had to mention. Someone came out in a mask at one point and interfered with the match. And commentary, commentary um, didn't say his name at all. So I have no idea who it is. I found that really awkward. Um, you know no, who? I'm just saying, oh, okay, I'm yeah, just yeah, saying, gotcha. um, fans have no idea. Maybe that's better. Fans yeah. have no idea who he is and that kind of stinks. And I even saw a point where I believe Emil kind of was going to announce, but then didn't say, and I don't know why or for what reason there may be a reason for that because I know Emil knows his shit. Yeah. So I just wanted to mention that that was there and uh, acknowledged it because there may be a good reason for it. And I'm not sure. And that's where I kind of, I did get pretty angry watching that, that part. Once uh, 
Are we allowed to say his name? <laughs> I don't know how that works. Yeah. Okay. We say we say all the names. Yes. It's perfectly fine. Uh, the person that came out in the mask to help the South Pacific savages is a uh, teammate of Juicy for now out here in uh, FSW at Vegas. It is mm-hmm. Toa Leona. Who, if you've never seen him, uh, I will just describe him kind of as my son did when he first saw him as a scary looking Aquaman. Because (laughs) he's got the tattoos all over the place. He's got, he looks, he fits in with the South Pacific Savages. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Because Toa, I think I saw him once on a GCW match, I think. Or maybe he showed up to help Juicy. I think I remember only one appearance from them. And he didn't really get mentioned. And on commentary, this is where I miss KG. This is why I got so mad. It's like, why are we not saying his name? Why are we not acknowledging this person? Like, As you said, there could be a storyline of, hey, we don't know who that is. This is supposed to be some masked person that they're not supposed to be here. Some vigilante that came out here and is running shit that should not be here and helping Jacob and Juicy. So we don't want to give them that kind of clout and that kind of acknowledgement. Where as a fan with me, as soon as I saw it was Toa, I was like, that is perfect. That is so awesome. Uh-huh. Go Toa. I love him because like he's actually really good. He's like just started his wrestling career. I think he's less than two years into it, but he's got the look. He's pretty good in the ring, but he fits in with the South Pacific Savages. Perfect. And I was like almost like screaming at the TV. I'm like, say his name, like give him the recognition. Right. And I right. Especially old. as Vegas people. Exactly. Like- yeah. You know, and I just thought it was such a good fit. I think he is a he's kind of has the Jacob Batu feel where, like, um, if you guys have watched like uh AEW or the Ring of Honor version of AEW, he is in now uh on there. So he actually made an sh- appearance last night, and like, was that, you kind of got to see the badass in him. Where, like, yeah, I don't care if you got you faces came out, I'm still outside this ring, I'm still here, do something, and you see like them actually like stiff Toa and Toa's like no that wasn't enough getting back up there he he has the badass characters which fits in perfectly with Jacob and Juicy and yes. and I'm just thinking too like does Dave maybe not know his name or I know Emil does but then as you said like why isn't Emil saying their name like something's gotta be going on oh it actually wasn't even Emil I'm sorry it was uh, Jordan Castle was there for this match because this was match number two. I'm pretty sure it was Jordan Castle. I oh, could, okay. I could be okay. wrong. I could be wrong because I know Jordan did join at some point. I, I'm wrong a lot, too. It could have been wrong a lot. before <laughs> after this match, but that's why I'm like, why no, are I'm we wrong not a, a lot. And Jordan would know Toa, too, because he knows a lot of out here, the West Coast wrestling and Toa. Yeah. The West yeah. Coast. So I popped because I loved, loved seeing Toa in GCW. I thought it was the perfect fit and the perfect time to introduce him come in and ruin this match against Joey and Starboy. I didn't like it because it seems it's going to extend it even further. And we do find out at the end of this match, it does. uh, This kind of story is not over. It will be extended. And I just feel like it's kind of dragged on too long because the only time they ever really acknowledge uh, the rivalry is when it's mm-hmm. in the UCC or on in California, it's not acknowledged in the AC in Atlanta. Like, they do the show in LA, they start a rivalry, nothing happens for like five, ten shows, and then next time they're in LA, they continue it, and I just think it takes a lot away from the story. It's dragging it out way more than what it should be doing, and like you're not acknowledging it except once every month, two months, three months, whenever they're in California, yeah. so I think that's what's hurting the storyline, and I didn't like to see it get extended. I was kind of hoping that Toa would show up and 
like just they would end this rivalry and storyline and move on to the next thing because I'm excited to see what Toe was going to bring to these two and what Toe was going to be bringing to a GCW ring. Honestly, I would I would love to know why we don't see uh, both of these guys on the East Coast, but maybe first of all they're big guys i wouldn't be surprised if you have to have juicy at two seats just to just to come over and then fatu he's a big boy too there's a possibility he may need two seats maybe maybe not but i don't know maybe one of them don't fly yeah I, yeah you know and and may or maybe it's just they come out during special occasions kind of thing but you're right we only see it on the west coast and again it could be scheduling i mean you don't know. Yeah, that's a disaster. That's I know scheduling is a giant part in indie wrestling, but I just think that's these three. If as if we've been clamming for it, we've been wanting it. I think these three could kind of do a cool storyline to be the biggest heels of the company of just coming yep. in and just destroying shit and ruining it. So I agree with you. I do want to see more of them on outside of the West Coast. And I appreciate that they uh, that we do have a storyline to go. Yes. Because we were talking about getting storylines. I was really happy we had that. So speaking of storyline here, and again, I feel like we've almost seen this before. You know what I mean? Like it had that feeling like, like we, we yeah, saw that, this last yeah, time. That's like my point is like this has been over, yeah. like almost close to a year that this Starboy versus Jacob and Juicy has been going on. And like I know Starboy got hurt and that kind of hurt a lot of it too. So obviously Starboy yes, yeah. was out of commission, so you can't tell the story during then. But I just wish this would be continue on somehow, some way through almost the GCW tours of the different cities. I think they are missing they should be telling the story somehow, some way, furthering the storyline along instead of just acknowledging it during in California. So here goes the storyline portion. Uh Starboy's mom. Starts to talk a little shit, gets in the ring, and talks a little more to both. Uh, no, all three of the South Pacific savages. I'll put them. I'll put all three in SPS for right now, just for sake, because they are working as a team. Yeah. So she she finally leaves because she can see she's outnumbered, and she goes and she grabs a chair. She comes back in the ring. She hits Juicy. Not gonna happen. Juicy headbutts Starboy's mom. She goes down. Starboy and mom get splashed by Juicy. Or no, I'm sorry, by Fatu. Yep. And um, yeah, this didn't end well. Basically, both of them are on the ground, kind of reaching for each other, and they just get the shit kicked out of them. So at that point, there was no winner. It was no contest, and the story continues. Yes. Uh. Uh, after the match is over, Joey gets on the mic, starts yelling at everybody, calling Juicy and Jacob. I think he said like the South Pacific bitches or something like that. I think he said something ridiculous where I was kind of like laughing. I'm like, come on, really, right, Joey? Right. That's all you can say. But um, they will be hopefully ending the story the next time they are in L.A., uh, which was announced also during the show on October 29th. 29th, yeah. 29th, okay. Um, and it will be the South Pacific Savages of Jacob and Juicy, as of right now, I think that's what was announced, going against Starboy Charlie and Joey Janela, except this time it will be in a steel cage match, hopefully to keep Ooh. Toa Leona out of the ring. But who knows what's going to happen because I've never seen GCW do a just a straight cage match. So I'm interested to see how that goes. I will be going to that show. I got front row tickets, so I will be super excited uh, enjoying the night until 
the South Pacific savages come out, and then I will run away, go to the merch table, so they get into the cage, and then once they're in the cage, I'll feel nice and safe that Jacob Fatu won't <laughs> cause havoc outside, and then I'll go back to my seat. But I'm very looking forward to this match to kind of see what uh, what happens in a still cage GCW match with these four competitors, because I think if this would be the time to kind of end the story, maybe kind of have Joey Janela get hurt or kind of leave kind of Starboy off to himself and then Starboy just comes in and wreaks havoc and beats both monsters. I could just see the UCC crowd popping and going nuts for that, but it's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to that match. Even after the match, our mystery man still wasn't identified by commentary. Um, of course, I'm sure that could be a mistake, but there was more than one person involved there. <laughs> um, also, SPS versus Los Macisos, book it. Yes. I want to see that go down. Those guys are tough as nails. They can take an ass beating. Yes. And uh, yeah, that would be fun. I would, uh, like the, <laughs> I just, I'm just trying to picture all the crazy, like literally just said that match. I'm like, oh my God, like all these little things, all uh -huh. these, like I literally just played the match on my head and I actually see that'd be a good way to push the South Pacific savages of kind of destroying Los Macisos, GCW's kind of tag team. I don't want to say flavor of the month because they've been around forever, but it seems like they've been very popular now. And I think a win over those two or the South Pacific Savages would go a long way for them and kind of help solidify oh, yeah. themselves as the monsters and just kind of destroy all the, uh, the most, all the tag teams and all the people that GCW loves. I would kind of like to see them go down the GCW roster and just raise hell and havoc and kind of say like, this is our GCW. Now you can't take it away from us. So you see the size of us, like who's going to beat us. And then maybe, SGC yep. comes out or something like that. Like, I just think that they got a lot of stuff to do and I think it's going to be fantastic. And I hope they kind of keep the South Pacific savages going and storylines. I just kind of hope they kind of get rid of the Starboy Charlie angle after this cage match, because it has been dragged yeah. on for a while. And I would like to see Starboy kind of go on to bigger names not bigger names, but like more matches and more uh, marquee matches that he's been kind of earning over these last few months since his return from injury. Well, I think that the South Pacific Savages, uh, they bolster the roster for GCW when it comes to tag teams. And I think it was just, we just, we needed it. We needed it a while ago because at some point it seems like we were really thin on tag teams. And I feel that's how Bussy came to be, honestly. Yeah. And I felt that uh, when... When I first saw that, I'm going, yeah, that was a put together kind of situation between those. But yeah, they they really add a lot of beef to the uh, tag team division, and I'm I'm happy to have them, even if it's just on the West Coast. And as much as we know now that um, that we see GCW on the West Coast, it's really it's really nice to have them. Yeah, I I loved it. I loved how they introduced Toa like that. Like start. I know I don't want to say like we need storylines, we need storylines. We finally get one, and I'm bitching about it. All I'm bitching about is the length of it, <laughs> and as you said, the repetitiveness of, of it. It seems like it's always at the UCC. It's always Starboy's mom gets involved somehow. It's always, it just it's very repetitive. Like I don't like that part, but I do like them giving like fleshing out a story. I just want to see. Not that long and not that repetitive. That's all. But I absolutely love it. And I just love the storytelling of Toa of like, not that they needed an extra help or an extra band, but coming right. in and I think, like I said, he fits right into them and him and Juicy have a lot of chemistry together as a tag team out here. Him and Jacob, I think are going to be just two incredibly scary badasses that a lot of people aren't going to want to have matches with. And I think they could 
I know we don't see a lot of squash matches in GCW. Like very, I right, actually, I, right. can't, I can't honestly think of one unless it's like a, a Marco stunt involved somehow. Like I'm just trying to think of something like that. I can't even think of a less like quote unquote squash match. But I wouldn't mind seeing maybe hey bring in some of the local independent tag teams that maybe aren't on like the main event level or um oh what was that other tag team I'm missing it uh the, the main event Aussie open uh yeah the Aussie open um i'm trying to think of, like that providence run they had they had when bussy went against the main event and oh, waves and curls like don't bring waves in a, and curls, yeah, yeah. don't bring in a tag team caliber of that like that kind of notoriety i would like to see them bring in like complete local independent talents where maybe hey if it's in vegas only two of us would well a lot of the vegas talent does go to, to these gcw shows as kind of ex not extras but they're kind of like making sure that everything's all right during their entrances. They came out and had to make sure uh, Starboy Charlie's mom was okay and stuff like that. I would just like to see like those two just do a two-minute match, squash some local talent, and just show how bad they are, or how bad that ass they are for a couple matches, and all of a sudden maybe build them up to Waves versus Waves and Curls and main events or some bigger name tag teams wherever they are and kind of just mow down the division and kind of just exert their dominance because i think as you said we kind of missed the uh everybody hates the, the heel that everybody absolutely hates and i've been like being at the ucc jacob does not have a single fan like they get into his face they yeah, scream and yeah. yell like that's why we feel that gcw's been missing i would like to see them grow upon that and turn the south pacific savages into even bigger monsters than what they are currently and that will lead us into our third matchup of the evening as jordan oliver goes one-on-one -on -one with kevin blackwood and of course, I'm excited to see Jordan in another match. Uh, I believe they ran this back one time, uh, Jordan against Kevin Blackwood. I want to say it was even the UCC again, too. But uh, I feel like I've seen this match either in one company or another. But I would like to see this match because seeing Kevin Blackwood, he's back to where he was. We, we kind of talked how there was a couple matches he seemed not at his tippity-top level that he currently, currently isn't now. Uh, he's back in form and back on top of his game and him versus Jordan should be a nice classic match. And uh, I was looking forward to it and see what kind of matches the, these two would have. What was your thoughts on this? match? Okay. So for me, it was more of an old school match. I said this earlier on like an alley match, but there was a lot of kicks and strikes. That's what Blackwood does. That's what we stuck with. Jordan Oliver didn't really go up on the ropes as much as he normally does. He actually kept his boots on the ground and fought at Blackwood's level. Uh, for me, I felt like this was average when it came to excitement level for a Jordan Oliver match. I think for a Kevin Blackwood match, this was also average. I not going to lie. This was really what it was for me. I really felt like they could have done more. They were given 16 minutes to work with here and it could have been less. I've never really said that, I think, about <laughs> Jordan Oliver matches, but this is just one where I don't know what it was. It just it hit me different. Um, there was a moment where the floor camera, one of the guys that was on the floor camera, actually they held it and then they panned it and it was nice and smooth and actually looked good. I don't know how many other people can do that or have the ability but if they can it looked fantastic and i hope they can use that again um any type of a pan looks really good especially when you can pan across a crowd just a pan while someone is in a hold across the bottom of the ring has a really good look to it and it's only 
it has to be one of the few times I've ever seen it in GCW and it was it was done so well I had to mention it. Yeah. Uh I I enjoyed this match. Um the biggest part for me in, of my enjoyment of this match was thank you, Dave Prazak, for kind of explaining to the audience of his victory Jordan's victory over Blake Christian and giving the acknowledgement of hey, that's a giant deal for Jordan. That victory over yeah. Blake Christian might have propelled him. And if he gets another victory over here against Kevin Blackwood, that might have propelled Jordan Oliver to the title scene as Blake Christian just wrestled for it. Like everything that I said that after that match on the last or a couple podcasts ago, Dave Prazak did did acknowledge it. So Thank you, Dave, for doing it. Thank you, Dave. That, that's what I was saying. I, I know KG, if he was there, would have done it immediately. If he was here at the LA show, he would have probably made mention to it. But Dave did, and I'm glad that they did it because if they weren't going to mention on this show, I would have just been like, then what are the points of these matches if we're not going to acknowledge of the winning streak that Blake's been on this year, just wrestled Moxley, and then probably took his first one-on-one loss in a long time against a GCW yeah. wrestler and that should feel important. doesn't matter if it's Jordan or whoever, if it's an up and comer and someone just beat a former title person that just had a title match, that's a big deal for who just beat that person and it should be acknowledged and it will help raise that person's value and what the people, the perception that the fans think of them. And I'm, I, I just did not understand why they did not do it in Liverpool, but I'm very glad Dave Prezak did it because it made this match then feel more important because, Hey, Jordan Oliver's on a big win streak or just had a big win. Let's see if he keeps his win streak and see where that takes him in the future. Because like we were talking about, it's between him having the most matches and kind of the, uh, uh, not the most victories, but the most matches, um, with Effie having the most matches, Jimmy Lloyd, like, there should be a reason for these matches instead of just putting on fun matches. Wins and losses should matter, and I think this was a great way to kind of bring that back into acknowledging that wins and losses do matter in GCW. So I'm very glad they kind of made that a point of uh, a point to express out during the show on commentary. So our winner of the night, Jordan Oliver, with another clout cutter. I love how he always ends up finishing off someone with that clout cutter, and it looks so damn good. Okay, so strong booking is where I would have changed things up a little. Jordan should have beaten Kevin in under 10 minutes. Let's just talk right there. Yep. Um, if we're talking about having a run for Oliver, making him look strong, they've invested in Oliver all throughout 2022. I think the one thing that they should be doing is they should have taken someone who's a boots on the ground like Kevin Blackwood and Jordan should have just beat the crap out of him, even if it takes 10 minutes. Just they they should have done that. And I feel that this really should have ended at the 10 minute mark. I've, I don't know why. Maybe it was just they were a little different towards each other. And again, maybe, of course, it can be my interpretation because you like this one better than I do. Um, and I'm just being vocal about it, which is, you know, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know why it just felt like an odd matchup. And part of it is because Jordan Oliver was performing out of his normal game. Normally Jordan has more aerial. He has more uh, movement. Again, this was where Jordan stood his ground and just go, go, go. And it's very different from our normal Jordan. And I think not getting what I normally expect out of Jordan here is what took me out of it just a little because he's one of my favorites. Yeah, and I think a lot of that too could be like the travel. Like they just got back from Liverpool. 
And then right away, <laughs> ha- right back Ooh. into this. And then after this, right back into Japan. So uh, we've seen a couple, like we saw Jordan out here in Vegas and we know his travel. Like, hey, I wrestled at, 11 p- or wrestled at 9 p.m. I got to be on a flight at 11 p.m. to wrestle again at yep. 10 a.m. the next morning. So it's like, there's just the... Uh, the schedule that some of these wrestlers are going is incredible to watch. Respectful. It. Yeah, I don't understand how they could just I mean, keep going respect. and going. Um, I agree with no, you. Me neither. If yeah. I sleep wrong, I'm fucked up. <laughs> right. Exactly. I don't know how they're doing it. They sleep on the plane and then hop right into a next match, and that's that's oh, insane. Geez. But I yeah. agree with you. I think with the booking, it just seemed like, hey, you just had a big victory over Blake, but now you it. I honestly, just based off of wins and losses, a step down against Kevin because I think after yep. he got big marquee win, it should have propelled him into like a maybe a bigger one-on-one match against Joey or Mance Warner or somebody that is higher up. Like not in the, not that they have the rankings, but just somebody that has more momentum to keep Jordan's momentum going because okay, like oh after Blake Christian, who'd you beat next? Oh Blackwood, like yeah, so did. So did Masha. So did this person. So did that person. Like, why? So why does your victory over Kevin Blackwood make it any more special than anyone else's? Just because you beat Blake, like that didn't yeah. make any sense to me, as you said, booking wise. Like, I think if you do go against someone uh, like Kevin Blackwood after beating Blake, and it should have been, as you said, an eight minute match, dominant, and then I think this would have been a perfect time to give the mic to someone else and let Jordan kind of say, hey. All his shot. I just beat Blake. He couldn't beat Mox. I just beat Blackwood and so and so seven minutes. Like I need, I'm ready for the test. And if that's gonna be against my mentor Nick Gage, then so be it. It is what it is. Or if it's Gage couldn't get the job done against Moxley, I will rep the MDK gang. I will defend Nick Gage's name and I will beat John Moxley for the belt. I thought that would just that. In my mind, I was kind of hoping for a promo after this match. And unfortunately, we didn't get it. And the reason I say that is because they let him speak on commentary during the Liverpool show. So I thought maybe that was, hey, to get your confidence up, to get some more reps on uh, promos, because we haven't really seen Jordan in the ring cutting a promo. I thought that was like maybe a build up to, hey, okay, you did your little commentary thing. You got your comfortable speaking. Let's boom, get you in the UCC with the live mic after another big victory. I just, I don't know. I don't know what's. They need I, a manager. I. I just, yeah, they I need just, a manager. I would just like to see, like, if you're going to book Jordan this strong, keep it going. Where, like, as you said, this match didn't make any sense booking wise for me. Um, I'm glad he got the win. I'm glad he gets to keep his momentum going. Um, I'm very interested to see what happens if he is up top on the, the next in line, not next line, but up there, the top two or three to get a title match because it seems like the title matches with Moxie has been defending it more. Um, Hopefully, if Nick Gage has it, he's going to defend it quite often. And I just hope they kind of start building some stories around the GCW world title. And I think with Jordan being involved with Nick Gage, it kind of adds a lot more story to that story being told. So, um, yeah, it was a it was a good match, fun match. But as you said, I don't understand the booking on it. But that's why we're not the bookers. We just get to enjoy right. it. And I do enjoy watching Jordan picking up a victory. Um, with the clout cutter team title uh, belt and Jack Cartwheel has been proven in the ring since I first saw him. He was like really the first competitor I saw come out at a GCW show when I first went to my first GCW show. 
think he had a match against oh well it's facing me right now but that was my first time seeing him and since that moment saw this match like you just see how much better jack has gotten in the ring so i was very much looking forward to this match it was a very very entertaining match a lot of stuff going on in out of the ring before during and after match so i really enjoyed this match what was your thoughts on this match john so both men were equal size and I do believe that cartwheel is just a touch smaller, but they work really well together. Um, Cole's confidence is slowly showing. I don't know if uh, how many people are really seeing that, but it's just his arms are open wider. His eyes are open wider. His mouth is open wider. He's smiling now. He's doing more things with his feet. He's doing more showman stuff. So we can really see that confidence coming out of Cole. And it's fantastic because I've watched his documentary and one of the things that he struggles with sometimes is confidence so i really do think this championship run so far has put uh confidence into that guy and it really has been a big deal uh cartwheel doing cartwheel shit cartwheels all over the ring cartwheels on the floor cartwheels on the entrance it's fantastic i really like the guy i can't even help but smile when i mention his name anytime he's on the card has been fantastic and i 110 percent agree with you that he has he has improved so much and the first time i saw him was with ninja mac and i'd like to see a rematch with him and ninja because both have just grown so much over the past year it'd be great yeah. i'd love to see it yeah i'm right there with you too i think ninja Mac's another competitor that in the ring we see uh a lot less mess ups a lot more cleaner matches we see the growth that they've been doing and i yeah. like not that the mess ups really matter because they are so like incredible and they are doing so much flippy stuff and impressive stuff in the ring where of course yes acts or mistakes are going to happen but uh i just really love seeing as you said the growth of cole radrick i his growth to me is more his charisma and in ring just kind of showing how much fun he's having and playing to the crowd a lot better than what he was doing before and jack cartwell i kind of think of the opposite where he always had the kind of showman Stuff with the cartwheel stuff where he's improved so much in the ring and i just like seeing the two competitors grow and seeing their growth in this match i think that's what made it very entertaining on my end because this had a lot of stuff in the ring out of the ring um they teased the cole radrick doing the cartwheel at the beginning of the match he's like guys i don't know how to do one i'm sorry i'm sorry the yeah crowd starts <laughs> booing him and he's like okay i'll leave and then they, they get into the match it starts going on and then after a couple moves cole out of nowhere just does a cartwheel right in front of him and the crowd just pops and starts cheering i just that's the kind <laughs> of stuff I, like you were talking about the confidence and like just that's cole like hey i know what to do to get the crowd to pop let me just tease it here say i can't do it and then when i do it the crowd's gonna pop so that confidence is just, it's shining through Cole Radrick in every performance he's had since he's been the extreme title holder. And I just love seeing it. And as you said, the run that he's been on as the extreme title holder has been incredible. And it's just so fun to watch every match that Cole Radrick's been in. I still feel like, because we were pushing the shit out of him at Las Vegas. I mean, me being our little group here, we pushed him so hard. I still feel like we kind of helped to propel him to at least get, uh, to become into the conversation at least become a conversation piece when it comes to a championship run and i feel like we did help in las vegas continue to push him upward and, and climb into that uh into that eventual spot where he's at now yeah Hartwheel. he was the only on, wrestler no. shirt i bought too at the vegas show too out of all the wrestlers like i was oh, really buy like I always try to buy like one shirt or two things of merch and yeah, Cole yeah. Rad I bought the like GCW shirt because they released a red one, but the only wrestler's uh shirt I bought was Cole Radrick's Ratty Daddy shirt. So 
Yeah, oh, I was. Shit. I've been rooting for him out since then too. Like that was like right before we kind of started the podcast, where I was kind of seeing the. Obviously, this was the match they had with teaming up with Rena against the Mega Bastards, and we saw how great he was then. But this was like right at the time he started to get better and better, and we just seeing it happen in in person was just fun to watch. His likability really matters, and um, it can matter so much that there may be a point one day where. He's getting beaten down and remember, we remember why a lot of us liked him to begin with. And that's because he was the underdog. He was the guy that you didn't expect to go out there and just kill it. Yeah. And now he is. So at some point when he's receiving a beat down, it's going to be kind of fun to see how he recovers from that because he does have this, this thing where fans want to fight for him. They almost feel bad. They're like, oh gosh, I wonder how he's going to get out of this. So at some point, that will be interesting to see him revisit that portion of his character because that portion of his character right now is not there. Um, there was a really funny spot that I did want to mention where Cartwheel put on football hel- uh, football pads and a helmet. He speared Cole, and that took a lot because Cole really did eat a hit from there. Yeah, and I loved how before he hit uh, Jack Cart or sorry Cole Radrick when Jack Cartwheel went to go tackle him or spear him in the corner, Cole moved out of the way and. Jack uh, hits the ring post, but you just see the helmet go flying like two or three rows into the crowd. So that that was a fun little spot. I like how they kind of called back to his football. That's what I was going to bring up. I'm kind of glad you brought up this box. I think I don't know how much football he's still doing because I know like last year he was still doing college football and he I think he was like a running back. Oh, no back. Yeah. So he wasn't during football season. He wasn't really wrestling because he was focusing on that. But then I think now. I think the reason we've seen the growth of him, not only that he's been doing it, but I think he's doing it way more now during football season because I don't think he's playing football right now, and hence why we see him at this show and coming up shows. So I don't know exactly what his football schedule is like, but I we definitely see the growth in ring because he has improved a lot, and it's been fun to watch him because he's already had the charisma and the cartwheel stuff kind of get him over with the crowd, and now he's putting it together with the in-ring work and psychology, how to c- control the crowd with his football spots or cartwheel spots so it's just been very fun to watch these two grow and this was a very very fun match that i enjoyed every bit of it so our winner on this one was mr cole radrick he hit a little sebastian's curse on jack cartwheel this was just another um this is just another piece in the uh puzzle of cole's dominating run right now and I'm really happy it's sticking with him, and I'm happy he's defending it every show. I've said it before, and I'm probably going to say it again because I do appreciate these things. Now, this kind of segues into something just for a minute. We don't give GCW enough credit for not jumping the belts all over the place. They actually establish a champion, and they keep it on him, and they make him defend it, and so on and so forth. And I know that's kind of why people do complain a touch about Moxley is because we're used to the quote-unquote GCW uh, style of having a fighting champion. So having this fighting champion with Cole is just fantastic. It, it was a physical matchup, and I think with with Cartwheel, you just need cardio. And Cole luckily backed that up by picking up his game, picking up his speed. Uh, this is the fantastic opener. Oh my gosh, I call this an opener. Yeah. This is just a fantastic match. I think it's because of the speed and because there was so many fireworks between these two. I think I must have considered an opener in my head, dude. That'd Great be, show. It, yeah, it, would, it fits the bill for what the GCW opening matches because they always just want to come out it's hot. Exciting. Yeah, and get the crowd behind an, an excited matchup. And this yeah, this was fun. I loved, I loved every bit of it. And I definitely agree with you. I would want to see these two run it back at some point. 
uh, in the near future. That will lead us into our fifth matchup of the evening as all heart Blake Christian goes one-on-one with Titus Alexander. And after seeing Titus go against Alexane in the last uh, LA show at the Ukrainian Cultural Center, I think this was another good progressive step up in competition for Titus because I think he is at that spot now in his career where he needs to be facing some of these bigger names. And um, I, I think he's ready to take that step up. And hopefully with this match, we can start seeing more of Titus on the GCW shows, either in the West Coast or maybe he can start traveling with them to the Midwest and East Coast and stuff like that because I think Titus is right there with them. And I think this match against Blake Christian uh, solidifies the point I just made of I I think he's ready to start having way bigger matches and being way more part of the GCW uh, just roster and shows in general. What was your thoughts on this match? So I don't know if um, if maybe Blake is just cutting because he is um you know lifting weights or whatever it is but he looks like he may be losing weight so i don't know if he's cutting fat or if he's gaining muscle but whatever he's doing it looks good i was happy to see titus i love titus he's one of the guys that i said would be a fantastic heel in uh in gcw and he came back here and he didn't disappoint again i love what he does he's missing a microphone i really do think that's his next step so if and only if his schedule allows it because let's be honest his schedule just may not allow it and it seems like when he's available they do use him but um both of these guys did not allow any time for the other to breathe in this match and i i'm noticing that titus does not wrestle like a young wrestler at all and i think that's fantastic too off the top of my head it just made me realize i really need to see titus v deppen It'd be great. I, I'd be scared for the crowd. They'd just be both just taking turns, grabbing the crowds like cat or jewelry and just throwing it everywhere and just <laughs> finding ways to terrorize the crowd. That, that would actually kind of be a fun match. So that, I would actually just, just for the in-ring work, like to really see that too, because I think, as you said, I just, I've said this before. I, I always, I think him and Nick Wayne are just always going to be linked together. Like they're one of those two wrestlers that kind of grow up in the same business, kind of grew, uh, kind of grown in popularity at around the same time. They're both super good and talented. And I have said since I saw these two that Nick Wayne is the one signed to AEW, but I think Titus Alexander is all around more polished wrestler. Um, Looks very, very smooth in the ring. He's got his character down where he's just the asshole that everybody hates. And I honestly see a big and bright future for Titus Alexander. I think his, his nickname is what the the next the big thing or franchise like something I forgot his name but just I had it yeah head, he's but. got a great name I can't remember what it is we'll have to look that up yeah like next big franchise or something like that and I absolutely think he's going to be carrying the co- a company around uh, in the future because he's in the ring like this matchup with Blake Christian I was so excited just because the speed the pace and they have a very similar move set and everything so this match hit on all the spots and I think it's perfect for. Titus Alexander, another great opponent to show off just how really good he is at his young age. So he's called the future franchise. It took me just a minute to kind of figure it out. I'm like, oh, what is that? Um, Titus has excellent fundamentals. I think that is why you're putting him above is because when it comes to a headlock, it's a it's a it's a more by the book headlock. If it's a, you know, whatever, it's just more by the book. It seems like someone, whoever it was, taught him well. And kudos to them for doing it. Honestly, I'd have to look that up and I think see it's his dad. Got most. Oh, really? Yeah, his dad uh, was a former wrestler. Uh, 
Uh, I think his name was his dad's name used to be like the big ugly and his dad runs like the ugly dojo that I know <laughs> that I know of like for oh, sure nice. is ugly dojo where they got a couple wrestlers out. Uh, I don't, I don't know where they are uh, specifically like where he lives camp and stuff like that. But yeah, I know his dad trained him because I think it's all like his first match <laughs> like and was recorded at the age of six or something like that, which is pretty wow. pretty crazy and like just to see them at that young like my son's 10 doing wrestling i'm like man they're still a little bit too young at that age to be learning how to take bumps and all that stuff but it's very good exercise and learn how to like coordination for your body and stuff like that but yeah that's where i think titus has kind of grown fantastically in because he's been wrestling with his dad since six years old yeah and good job dad because he's absolutely fantastic i think uh i think dad's got to be real proud of what the heck he's doing there were not a lot of hiccups at all in this match. This is a great matchup. And here's another one where I could have seen it again. This is a really strong card yep. that we had tonight. And it's really hard to put a couple matches over another because all of them were equally fantastic, but in different ways. Yeah. And like these two just, I, they just gel together where everything just looks really yep. smooth and Seeing Titus uh, with his drop kick when Blake Christian tried to do a springboard back elbow into the ring, like the height that Titus got, on, the height and timing that Titus had on that uh, drop kick is just amazing. He has a pretty drop kick. Like, I, it's up there in the, industry, in the wrestling industry as one of the my top favorites to watch do the drop kick because he gets such high and elevation and he just looks so smooth doing it. And he does like different variations. He could do like the quick one. Like I like the one where he like really just snaps and like he flips himself. Like kind of like how he, when he takes a clothesline, you see him kind of just as his body's rotating and does a backflip. It just like looks so smooth and in slow motion and he hits the canvas, like such a perfect timing. Um, this was, yeah, very fun match. Another little detail I always have to mention during these Titus Alexander matches is Scarlett Donovan. This is, He's always refereeing a Titus match and the back and forth that they, oh, yeah. the back and forth that they have always is every match. Like Scarlett's going to keep control of the rules and make sure the match goes right. And Titus is like, just having none of it. And like, there's a, like on this <laughs> one, he went to go like kick and she was still on the ground. I thought he was about to kick her in the face. Cause it was a pretty close kick. And I just love their chemistry that they have as like a big asshole and a, like not just because she's a woman rep, but just like enforcing the rules of their chemistry that they have together is awesome. Where I think it adds more to the matches and stuff like that because he always finds some way to kind of go after Scarlett. So there was that portion of time where Blake was kind of like a quote unquote heel. I would have loved to have seen from a booking standpoint him take on Titus at that time. I really do think they would have cheered Titus. And that's a tough Blake part. Got so much heat. Titus kind of always gets like he comes out, gets the major heat. Flip, everyone's mm -hmm. flipping him off, and he just comes out, gives them like I'm performing in front of you, ingrates. Like, what am I doing here with my life? But then he's so good in the ring, where it's hard to root against him until he starts doing the dastardly moves that we kind of see him do or go after the ref, like how he does. And I like, I think he does use that as a very not a crutch, but it's a very good way to get the crowd back against him when they start cheering him because he has like such a good yeah. feel for like when he's being cheered and when to turn it on. Cause like, uh, I'll bring up another company when I mostly see him in his West coast pro and they had like the, the tournament a couple, a couple months ago or weeks ago, I think. And, he had a match in the finals where the crowd was just nonstop behind him and he played into it, played face the entire time. But when it came down to win, he found a way to get the crowd to hate him again. It's like, I did this for 
not you assholes for myself like he's i think that yeah. that, that was the mic work that you it's said fantastic the mic work that you said we want i've only seen him really talk once and it was during that promo as a, like a victory speech and he killed it mm-hmm. during that promo so i same thing i would like to see him even a quick cut a quick quick little promo hey i just I, if he would have won, we haven't gone over the winner yet, but uh, Blake Christian does pick up the victory <laughs> with the curb stomp. But like, let's say he did pick up the victory. He could always just call someone out. It's like, this is what you got for me. Like, I'm the next, I'm the, as you said, the future franchise. And you sent me in here with Blake Christian, who I just now beat and Jordan beat. Like, give me some real competition. And I think throwing Jordan or Nick Wayne in there, like I wouldn't, when you were saying that Blake Christian was doing a little heel work, I thought that would have been a cool little yeah. thing of, hey, um, I, I'm better than you guys, but here's someone that's just as good as me that I'm taking under my wing to make sure that he doesn't have to suffer through what I had to suffer with you horrible fans and turning on me. Titus Alexander, boom, that would have been a cool little yep. cool little yep. tag team or cool little story going against Jordan and Nick Wayne. Like, yeah, I definitely want to see that tag match now. I just <laughs> kind of talked it out through my head and I want to see. It. But very good showing by Blake Christian and Titus as Blake does pick up the victory with the curb stomp. That will lead us into the sixth match of the evening, which absolutely uh, will make the L.A. crowd happy since they're always cheering for blood and violence as we have a it was labeled, I think, as as you had it, too. I think it was labeled a hardcore match with Mance Warner going against Hunter Freeman. And just seeing these two and the styles that they worked, I was like, this is going to be one of those two two drunk guys at a bar fighting over uh what song is played on the jukes box? Because like these two just have a good look to them and them going against each other, I think added to the chemistry of the match. And uh, we've kind of talked about Hunter Freeman. He's had a good match against Rob shit here uh, in LA and in Atlanta, he had the good match death match with Alex Cologne. And I think this was just another test for him. And boy, did he step up this, in my opinion, I think I, texted you or tweeted it out and i know we were talking about it but this was hunter freeman's coming out party and what a party it was why don't you go uh what was your thoughts on some of the violence that occurred during this match okay so i have to say out the gate i love this matchup the guy in me who used to watch all the old territory shit loves a southern boys fight this was a southern boys fight it was like the hard-ass veteran versus like a tough younger guy Hunter came out fast and aggressive. He had all kinds of energy right up his ass from the get-go. He was the aggressor. I absolutely loved it. I felt like as strong as he was, he was going to have to attack Mance because Mance was going to be the guy here that it wasn't going to be an easy fight from the beginning. So I like how he came out with that attitude. That is a GCW attitude. I have to say that. We all know that. Hit the fucking nail on the head. Hit it hard. Make it count. That's what he did here. Yeah, Hunter had a little spot where fans were voting between the screwdriver and the staple gun. He ended up using his, you know, using them both, but ended up being on both men. So both men ended up getting cut open by the screwdriver and then both ended up getting stapled. Warner got a 20 attached to his forehead and then two other dollar bills stuck on him uh, before that. So Warner goes home $22 richer. Freeman was really showing out tonight, working really freaking hard, dude, really hard. I, I think they made a mention during the Mance Warner getting that $22. Like, I think, uh, I forgot who was on commentary during this match, but I think it was MLJ. I could be wrong, but like, oh, that'll pay for his beer after this match. <laughs> like, the $22. Yeah. Like, it's going to go right to the beer money. I, I just love that little comment, whoever said that on commentary, because that's what I was thinking too. I'm like, yeah, that'll buy a little 20 pack for him after the match. And you're right. 
This was definitely Hunter's coming out party. He's a lot closer to becoming a regular, and we can tell because of a match like this. This was just um, Deppen and Mance kind of seem to have the same gatekeeper thing going on. And if it's not Cologne in the hardcore situation, it's going to probably then end up being Manser. This is what happened here. This match really solidified Hunter's spot on the card. So if uh, he if he can continue to do this, fantastic. This was a West Coast show and he made it and he's from the East Coast. So I think that's also a testament to the fact that he's willing to do what he needs to do to get the hell out here and really do it. About 15 minutes into this match, I was starting to realize this is more of a serious match. I knew it was good already, but it was definitely more of a serious match. Uh, Manser was definitely more purposely stiff on Hunter, and I think it was worth it because it was about getting the fans' respect. But yeah, Mance was taking on an opponent that was definitely larger than him, and it still ended up being a fantastic show. That's a lot of notes, and that's a lot of opinions, but um, outside of a fantastic beer break, I think that was about enough. Uh, that was about enough talking for me on that one. Yeah, and this one, as you said, it went 19 minutes, uh, which was, it got the space to breathe as we were talking on the last show that some matches like to see the breathing, some matches, hey, you might not need the breathing, just go out there for eight minutes and kill each other. But this one, I, as, a, as the match kept on going longer and longer, I was thinking like, hey, this is the kind of show that Hunter Freeman's able to get crazy, do all these, uh, the longer death matches. I think the one that him and mm -hmm. Rob Shit had was one of those condensed like 10 minute ones that it was nice and fast and this one got to tell way more of a story they did add a lot of like you said the beer breaks the, the staple gun spots and all that stuff but it added it didn't just take away from the match or it felt like they were just trying to kill time it added like the comedy to a match where i really like because it's mance warner like we can't just always have yeah serious yeah. mance all the time we gotta have the fun outgoing mance and all right guys let's take a break enjoy beer all right let's go back and kick each other's ass like i i loved it <laughs> and i thought this Hunter Freeman, uh, this was the perfect, I think, as you said, the two Southern guys just beating each other up. I love that thing because that's where I think the chemistry between the looks, the attitudes, and like the movesets that each each wrestler did during the match it was made it so entertaining. And this was uh, right up there for me. I think I said the first match was the match of the night. I This match is right up there with it because it was so entertaining. And... Um, Hunter Freeman, I was, I think I even tweeted out, we need to see him at NGI after this. NGI, NGI, and uh, I don't know how long ago it was announced, a couple days ago, I think, but because of this performance with Mance Warner in the deathmatch, Hunter Freeman is in the NGI tournament, which I cannot wait to see, even if he just gets eliminated in the first round, because he might be one of the lower names compared to everyone else on that card, because as we were talking about the the deathmatch division so big in GCW and these tournaments only have eight wrestlers where Hunter Freeman might be the lowest name based off a of value wise name like the lower for now for now going into yeah. it going into it because with that push for Mancer, I didn't want to cut you out there, oh, but with that push for Mancer, just a touch there um yeah Hunter may be coming in there the bottom of the night there but we don't know what kind of push he's he might get coming out of it we we don't know you know cologne may be taking a break soon and murdoch's in and out quite a bit god murdoch's just taking damage yeah, too i don't know how long that <laughs> takes um but i don't know that that just popped in my head for a minute there where in the back of my mind i'm going oh shit he may come in there as the new guy as the one who's but he may exit that place a whole other monster there's a lot of potential in that dude 
Yeah, I can see kind of like how Cole Radjic, when he had the death match against Orin Veidt, yep. that might be his, this might be his coming out party Bingo. really in AC because uh, he could get over in LA, which is fine, but to get over in AC, that's another crowd that's tough to win over. And I think with a great performance, uh, well, NGI, that's in Chicago. so But that's still a great crowd for the violence in NGI. He'll be well received. Yeah. And I just think, uh, as I said, the longer this match went, it felt like, hey, this is important. And as, as you said, this is probably man's showing like, hey, if he can hang with me for 20 minutes, the kid will be just fine in any sort of match yes. you want to put yeah. him in and any competitor because he's the real deal. And I, I love seeing it because he's so nice. We've talked to him a couple times. Um, he reached out to us and and talked to us at uh, the, the one of the shows we went out to. So um, it was nice seeing Hunter Freeman out there. And I uh, love seeing Mance Warner just bar fights that he's always in because he's one of those. I said Jordan, because of the role he's been on, might be up there for the DCW title, the winner of Moxie versus Gage. I would love to see Mance Warner go against either of those two as well. And he's been on a run since he's been back. And um, now that it seems he's fully healthy from the leg injury, he's got a, quite a few matches underneath his belt to kind of show that he's healthy enough i wouldn't mind seeing him get a little run or a little a chance at the title let alone win it because i think either of those two competitors mox or gage he would have a fantastic match and i think but, i think oh no uh you know we're kind of a 90s crowd brett is also a 90s kind of person i would not be surprised if we see more Stone Cold coming out of Mance because of how much he sounds like Stone Cold. I, I thought uh, with him getting the match against Moxley, I thought that what might have happened after he kind of picked up the victory in the bunkhouse uh, battle royal that they had for Rick's, Ric Flair's last match. I thought that would have been yeah. a good time to, hey, like, a lot of people that did not know of Mance before, not, uh, before then know of him now, so I thought that would have been a good time to capitalize on it, but Mance has still elevated his name uh, with all the GCW spots. He Hell, he was on AEW against Moxie even, so I would like to see them run that back in GCW and in a death match. Because Matt and, Warner does pick up the victory during this match yeah, with a low right. blow and a quick roll-up on Hunter Freeman for the victory. I cut you off there. What were you going to say? No, 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 no. I, I was laughing because I completely forgot we didn't uh, didn't announce the winner. This this happens a lot. I don't <laughs> know why. Um, the one thing I remembered from this match was there was a lot of variety. Nothing was really repeated. I know they kind of went back to the stapler for a moment, but that was only be because they had to get back to it. Um, Mance put over Hunter Huge. If Mance loves him and he's willing to do it and the fans love him, I love him too. This was much more of a battle than I expected. The length was fantastic. This was the longest match of the night. And in my opinion, I agree with you. This was the best match of the night. Yeah. I love watching babies given birth. <laughs> and we just this, found, this was what it was we just might have found a uh new baby for ngi in hunter freeman and i think he's gonna kill it <laughs> in ngi I, I actually i'm very interested to see who they're gonna put in in with him uh for the ngi for his first round match because i think there's a lot of good options that could he could go against um i think there's a couple of them where i don't know if i'd want to see it just because stylistically one might be more of a innovator and high fly high flying kind of a deathmatch wrestler but i think hunter freeman we've seen him i think they called it like his redneck lucha or something like that that he calls his heart yeah, hardcore style. Yeah. like i just like i like how what hunter freeman does because it just seems like hey i'm just wanting he i think he would fit in with SGC. let me come in kick some ass and let's hang out afterwards and <laughs> have a couple drinks i didn't think about that sgc would be a good spot for him 
Yeah, that's why I was kind of right. like, when, but as this match ended, I was kind of like thinking, well, what if like Mance Warner gives them not a shirt, but like how they used to do in the day, but hey, here's a beer and here's like a hat or a belt buckle or a shoe. Like you join, you come with us and SGC and kind of hang out with us and we'll kind of help you elevate you and show you the ropes. But uh, very fun match. I definitely know the LA crowd loved it because they loved their violence and they definitely got enough of it. That leads us into our seventh match of the evening, which is a scramble match. As Marcus Mathers, Jordan Cruz, Jimmy Lloyd, Eli Everfly, B-Boy, and Dylan McKay are the six competitors in the scramble match. And uh, yeah, that's, this is a typical scramble match. A lot of great competitors, a lot of great names I was cheering for. And the action was very good. Uh, the one thing for me is seeing B-Boy back because I think this was his first match back since he had uh, the match with Billy Starks a couple of weeks ago. And I talked about how incredible it was for me seeing that B-Boy come back out because we haven't seen that B-Boy in a long time. And uh, once again, he does come out as that B-Boy and he stepped up to the plate during this match. It was a entertaining, once again, crazy quick scramble. It wasn't long, but I didn't think it needed to be long. And I think every wrestler got their stuff in, got to tell a story and elevated themselves with the crowd. What was your thoughts on this match? So I'm with you. I love seeing B-Boy. I want to get that out right out front. Um, speaking of B-Boy, um, Mr. Jordan Cruz is also a student of B-Boy. Yep. Hunter Freeman uh, too. And oh, no shit. Really? Yep. Oh, no kidding. Wow. Um, Cruz has a body and a face for TV. So I, I want to put it out there. If somebody wants to eventually hire a guy and they want to develop somebody into, look, he's got it. That's somebody you want to look at down the road. Maybe, um, Eli Everfly, former SoCal wrestler of the year. <clears throat> it was nice seeing him. I think the last time we saw him was in Las Vegas. Wasted Youth, Mathers and McKay working together at times. It was nice seeing them. Another reason why I kind of realized it was seven minutes was because these guys are moving so damn fast that it's just, you know. And Jimmy Lloyd always there. And I'm so thankful he's always in these things. He seems like the, the he's the cornerstone. Like you have oh, yeah. to have that Jimmy Lloyd. He's the one he's not in there for the flips and the flying. He's there to be flipped and flown upon. Uh, <laughs> Mathers to me again, I will say it a hundred times. He is a future star. Keep watching him. I don't know how long it'll be, but that guy right there needs to be watched. He will be somebody. It's just a matter of time. Um, I'm watching this a lot, a lot of indie wrestling. And I'm starting to realize after I've watched the newest uh, version of the WWE and then I watch indie wrestling I think in time the next step for WWE in the wrestling world may be to adapt more of the strong style I think that they may have to do that because kids and audiences can't just sit there and watch and wait like they used to we can't do it like they used to do 20 years ago it's going to be hard for us to do it 20 years from now so they will have to adjust style wwe style sometimes is punch and then sit for 8 to 15 seconds kick stand for 18 to 50 you know so i hope that really does change because the more i'm watching this and the more i watched raw not too long ago i go shit i think they need to just uh to get a little more of that strong style in and i know what it does to the body so that kind of bugs me so i think somewhat of an adaptation not a full Lots of incredible top rope offense by many competitors. And B-Boy walked into this ring like a veteran. I love his demeanor. Just as you were saying, I love B-Boy with an attitude. Yeah, and we go, we talk about confidence all the time. Uh, B-Boy, 
I know this one, like, he's been recovered from his injury for about a year. I think he tore his Achilles or did something with the foot. It was like a, a lower leg injury, and he did miss a lot of time. And I know when he mm -hmm. kind of did kind of make his first match come back, it was kind of a nice little surprise. Didn't do too much then, but because I think he was still nursing that injury. And for the longest time, even after that, uh, I I noticed that he, he's, there's, he wasn't 100%, but after that match with Billy Starks and... Seeing how he came into the ring with this one, I think the injury is fully healed. And I think him knowing that he could have one of these matches and not worry about further injuring his leg or having it bother him during the match, I think that that's given him the confidence where now we're seeing the old B-Boy come back and just be the new age punisher that he is. Because I, I love B-Boy. I loved him, like I said, back in Ring of Honor. And it's nice seeing we're seeing that kind of version of B-Boy in GCW, which I love seeing. Um, Wasted Youth, I wouldn't mind seeing them thrown into this tag division a little bit more often mm -hmm. because they are just incredible. They got great chemistry. I think where Marcus Mathers maybe kind of is not as strong with the high flying Dylan McKay makes up for it. And where Dylan McKay kind of not as charismatic or not have the, he kind of has the emo look and stuff like that. But I think they both counteract each other's negatives and with their positives and they just do a great job of kind of, filling in for each other where the other one seems to be lacking. And I definitely want to see them most, uh, more in GCW ring. Uh, and I like, I like to see Dylan McKay because whenever he does the outside, just like kind of like, I forgot the name of it. Like he just does like the sideways rolling out of the ring, but in the air to the outside is just crazy because he gets so many rotations on, on his flying outside. And the wrestlers did a very good job catching him on this one. And I liked how Marcus Mathers pulled down the rope to kind of help him uh, get over that rope. Um, Going to your Jordan Cruz. Yeah, I've seen a lot of Jordan Cruz. He has the look. I still think he needs a little bit more in-ring and more charismatic stuff. He's kind of reminds me of a lot. Mm -hmm. A better in-ring person, but a lot of the character and style of like like old Chris Masters. Because he's got the absolutely stunning yeah, look yeah. of a rest like like Lex Luger would be like another example. He's got the look, but in ring, he's is does way more impressive stuff than those two did. But I just think he needs to get a little bit more better with the pacing. He's a project. Yeah, absolutely. And that's gonna like that is a diamond in the rough for B Boy and his wrestling school because that is what you look for in a wrestler. A lot of people um, look yeah. for that kind of look just to look at a wrestler, and then he's got a lot of agility and a lot of potential like that's the one thing that come to my mind potential and once that's untapped and he can find a great character because i know he kind of when i see him not in gcw he kind of has like a gladiator kind of uh uh gimmick yes yeah he, like he just and the he's got fighter. the look yeah he's got the look yeah. more, so it's, it works good but i think once the he can learn how to present that way better and just kind of polish up in the ring i i think the future is bright for jordan cruz because he's He's impressive in the short spurts that we've seen him, and I just the more growth he's going to be <laughs> making a lot of companies very happy using him. So our winner of the night was B Boy with a Storm Cradle Driver on Eli Everfly. They called it the Delay Gato. I want to make sure I say that right, and that's kind of why I said the winner here was because I got that little thing. I think it's Delay Gato. I'm not a hundred percent. You may be more of a fan than me. I know that I one. Maybe not. The name of it, no. Okay, yeah, but. Mathers really freaking worked his ass off in this match, and it was a busy seven minutes. That's 
that's my wrap up on that one, man. It was just wow. A fun we spent more time talking match, about yeah. the match because it was that good. Yeah, and all the competitors, like I said, they that's whenever we see like the like how we saw in Atlanta, like six the scramble match was six people we never knew of. That's always fun seeing new competitors yes. and what they could do, but it's also very nice seeing six names, six names or however many names in the scramble that I am familiar with. Cause then I kind of like, as the entrances are happening, planning out in my head, like what's going to happen, who should win, what kind of crazy shit are we going to see? What fun spots are we going to see? And this, it, as you said it, earlier in this podcast, it felt like a normal LA a, a yeah. normal GCW wrestling show. And this was, I, I agree with you. And this match kind of solidifies that because it's all names that I am, that most of the GCW fans are aware of and uh, kind of know what to expect during these matches. But B-Boy, I'm so glad he got the win. I wouldn't mind seeing him once again, kind of get another little bigger spotlight in a one-on-one match and kind of continue his hot streak he's been on because it's been fun seeing him have the confidence and kind of get back to his old form. So, very good job. Very nice seeing B-Boy get the victory over Eli Everfly. One thing, and too, then, with Eli. So, uh, sorry. And you yeah. might not know, but it just always kills me. Every time I see Eli in L.A., he is probably the most hated wrestler in that, in that show. Like, everybody's You don't screaming, know why kind of thing? Fuck the fly. Fuck the fly. They're booing him. Like, I don't know much of Eli other than what I've seen in GCW. And but I know he is a SoCal like wrestling, not yeah, legend, yeah. but he's always a big name on the SoCal wrestling scene. I just I yeah, I don't understand the hate for him where I kind of do. He kind of has a little cocky attitude, the fly gimmick and stuff. But like his moves and his in-ring stuff is so creative and like that's the fine. He does like a lot of these moves where he lands right on his head. It's like he just gives zero fucks about it. Like, wow, can, <laughs> why do they hate him so much? But uh. It just yeah, that was just one thing I forgot to say. Like I don't, I the LA crowd. Someone's gonna have to explain to me the history of why you guys hate Eli Everfly so much because every time I'm there, it's it's he gets the loudest moves and it's nonstop on everything that he does, and I just never knew why. Well, you never know. It might just be the cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like people like us like may just be blue, booing blue, because like everybody else stuff, is booing. Yeah, exactly. And the one thing I wanted to mention with Dylan was I. Uh, I see it, but I'm hoping he's considering maybe growing out and changing his character because he, okay, there's an age where you grow out of things like that, like an emo character. You can't keep your hair like that at 55 or 30. You know what I mean? So I think at some point, maybe, yep, it needs to be brought back or maybe just a different, because I mean, I understand that character when or if the times were still like they were, or if he was still 18 to 22, but now it just, I don't think it fits his age. And I really hope he goes into a new character because it would, uh, it would be the next step forward for him too. Cause Dylan's freaking good. Yeah. His, his, uh, flying, his high flying is what gets me. Cause he's just so creative and he just goes balls to the wall with it. Like I said, that tumble move, I forgot there was a name for it. And I actually kind of like the name, but I totally am spacing it right now, but he just does like a sideways, like parkour, kind of like what John Morrison does or Johnny yeah. game changer, whatever. Uh, he does the, the <laughs> like he does this not a normal like 450 going forwards turns his body sideways and does like a 450 oh yeah in the body sideways he does that all the time like on top of the rope to the outside to the inside or going from the outside just jumping over the ropes and doing it like he hits it all the time and it's just so crazy how he could get his body to move that way and it's i like it because it's an impressive move we don't see it quite often like 
like I said, I was I couldn't at first think of another wrestler, but Johnny Game Changer is another one that I we see kind of do it. And I do like the wasted youth. I think there's a lot of not wasted potential, but uh, a very uh bright future in the uh, wasted youth. <laughs> lack of words. And that will lead us into our eighth matchup of the evening as Jonathan Gresham makes his GCW return going against Dick Wayne. And going into this match, before you told me that Nick Wayne was hurt uh, a couple podcasts ago during his match with Joey, I was this was for me the match I was looking forward to the most because I want to see what Nick Wayne could do with a technical master like Gresham. Because we don't really see a lot of Nick Wayne's uh, ground game. We see a lot of transition work that he does, and he does a lot of very clean transitions on the ground and uh, with his move sets and how he hits that the that fisherman suplex and pops it up with the bridge. Like I love seeing that. And I was really interested to see how this match would go. So I was super excited, but as you made mention on the podcast and I didn't, I heard it here, but I didn't know that that's what it was from. And I saw the tape on Nick Wayne's arm. They also mentioned that Gresham was came into this match hurt as well. So we didn't really get to see a full on Nick Wayne, Jonathan Gresham match. It was very short and both competitors were hurt. And I think that kind of is why it was so short. I end up being a little disappointed in the match just based off of that. And I want to see them run it back a 20 minute, give them the time 100% healthy just to see what Nick Wayne could do uh, with Jonathan Jonathan Gresham in the ring. Because I don't think as a fan for me, I didn't get full experience, which is fine. We got a little taste of it at least. And they still went out and put on a decent match, but the injuries I think kind of hurt this match in my opinion. Okay, so uh, I'm a music person. I have a background in music. I ended up going to school on a scholarship for music. I hear Gresham's song, and it's in the key of the never-ending story. No shit. If you go back and listen to it, and uh, you will hear the never-ending story, and it just never gets to that point. You could, Yeah, but it's in the same key, and I hear it, and it bugs me enough to make a note on it. Okay, so we see Gresham quite a bit. Why have we not seen Jordan Grace? I would like to know more about that. I'm sure it's contractual. Um, what do you know about that? Well, we, we saw her once. She did wrestle against, okay, I think yeah. it was against Ali Catch once in Atlanta. And that kind of makes total sense because right, it's Jonathan yeah. Gresham's home, hometown. And that's, I'm going to assume, where they live. But yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Like, she's one of those names we talk about that could help elevate the women's division, especially if they bring in a women's title where I want to see her more than just that one time. I think she could bring a lot in, especially, and as you said, contractual, she is the impact women's champion. Now I think it is. And, um, it's, it's pretty cool though. (laughs) Kind of a little sidetrack of seeing Masha Slamovich going against her. We kind of get to see a little GCW versus impact on impact, but it is very nice seeing one of our own up in impact and wrestling against them because it was very cool seeing Masha get that match. And then kind of, they called in Alley catch to go against Jordan again. So I do like how that was happening, but I going, uh, as we were discussing yesterday, I think that is a perfect name to bring into the women's division whenever Jonathan Gresham is going to be there and kind of helping Jordan Grace elevate the entire women's division with that marquee name that you were saying. And I think that was a great call out by you was why should, why can't we get Jordan on Jordan Grace a little bit more than we have? Yeah, I mean, come on, just travel together. It's no big deal. And they probably prefer to if they could. So I'm again, I'm sure it's contractual or whatnot. Um, Extremely fast paced. I know I mentioned that with a lot of fast paced matches, but this was extremely 
fast pace. Uh, these guys fucking went at it. And I think that Gresham for his size would, would, was what was really keeping him on pace. And the youth of Nick Wayne was what really kept him on that pace. The match started with a fantastic amount of chain wrestling. I really enjoyed that a lot. And this was the first match I'd noticed that Gresham doesn't wear knee pads. I don't, I know it's kind of weird. I find that odd, but he didn't wear knee pads in this match. And I don't know, maybe I'm missing something or maybe they got taken off in the first minute and I didn't see it, but uh, that was one thing. And the other thing I wanted to point out because it bugs me. And if it means something to someone who actually hears it, great. And if not fine, but we do need somebody at ringside to clean up drinks and spills. I want to say that a hundred times because I actually saw a point where you could see, I think it was Allie in this main event, but somebody was going over to a side and they were just like, okay, I'm not going to do it over here. And they had to walk away from that side of the ring because that side had just spilled, just drinks yeah. spilled. And yeah, I mean, there's always people there. There's someone, there's local talent that would love to carry a towel and go over there and just clean it up so Speedball or somebody doesn't end up on their ass. That's what but, I always think yeah. about too is a Speedball. Like, yeah. Especially after the death match, because like I've only seen him yep. maybe once or twice have a match following a death match, and like right away you see him coming to the rings, like okay, we gotta get that spot, we gotta get that spot. Like he's always the competitor I think about the most because he wrestles barefoot, so that's kind of funny. I think it's because he's early on the card. That's, that's another it, reason yeah. why he's early on the card is yep. because he doesn't want to be fucking with splinters, glass, all that other shit that's out there. You're right. Um, I was surprised it's only eight and a half minutes, but once you started to focus a little bit more on both of them being injured then it makes a hell of a lot more sense. These two should have been given 15 minutes breathing time. Main event. Um, Nick is kind of new to a main event, but given 18, 19, 20 minutes, they could have done it. I think he would have too. Like, as you said, like now that we're aware that the injury has happened, I think that might've been in the cards or given a longer time than what this was, because um, I, yeah, I, that's what kind of took it away from me was seeing that, uh, this was a short match and both of them were I, I just kind of felt not cheated because at least we got to see him. It was actually more of a, hey, here's an appetizer of next time that they are fully healthy, we will throw run this back and you will get the main course, the entree of everything. And we will let this one play out and you can see exactly what the, they're they're capable of, capable of because I, I just was disappointed at the timing, but it just sounds like injuries happen and it sucks, but... Hopefully in the near future, we can get these two. Well, it's just the average match for both of these guys. Like, let's just say out of 10, if the average match is a five, both Nick Wayne and Gresham are held to a much higher standard. Yeah. And both of them injured still put on a hell of a match alone as a wrestling match. But yeah, we have a certain amount of expectations and so on and so forth. And and I get that, but I'll tell you what, just for the fact that it was them was the only reason why we had higher expectations, because if this was a WWE match, it had been close to the match of the night. Yeah. You know, so I kind of look at it that way. And I appreciate that they both went out there injured and did it too. I, I considered it a good co-main event given the circumstances. I was happy they did the little handshake at the end. And of course, I really enjoy seeing them both work together. So the more we can see them, fantastic. I think that those two have a match in them that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, I, 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 this was one of the matches I was looking forward to the most just because of just off the names alone. And um, yeah. I, 
like I said, I wanted to see Nick Wayne go, but once I saw the arm tape and then I heard the injury, I was like, oh, I wonder where he got injured. I didn't know that until you brought it up to me when you recorded the podcast, but it all makes sense now. And it just, I, I just feel I want to see it as soon as they're both 100%, because with Gresham, he kind of never know when he's going to be wrestling or when he's taking a break, which is absolutely fine. Take care of what you need to take care of. But I am a huge fan of Jonathan Gresham and I always want to see him. Uh, in a GCW ring because I think his styles and the matchups that he's been having against Blake Christian against, well, he's got upcoming against Jordan Oliver this weekend, which I am absolutely stoked for. Um, I just hope that we get a hundred percent of mental, the hundred, I just hope Jonathan Gresham is a hundred percent mentally ready and physically ready. So that way we could get this matchup with Nick Wayne, because I think it could be a fantastic match. As you said, it could be a main event because when I first saw the card for this match for this night, this was a match of the night for me and disappointed. But now I am very much looking forward because Nick Wade held his own when this eight minute match, he looked very smooth and for being injured, it was awesome that he could still do such a great, uh, pull off a short, great match with Gresham being injured. And that's just a testament to both of how good they are. And I just want to see both of them hundred percent and in a GCW ring as soon as, and that will go into Jonathan Gresham. Gresham does pick up the victory as he had like a modified uh, figure four leg lock on yes, Nick Wayne yes. to get the victory. I was kind of hoping he would have done like kind of like an arm bar, but I think after the first match, the way that arm bar kind of ended the night, I thought maybe he could have done the arm bar on Nick Wayne since his arm was hurting. So I'm kind of glad they did switch up and not just run a same ending on two different matches throughout. That heads us into our main events of the evening which is another GCW title match, this time for the tag team titles as the champions, the Mega Bastards, Alex Cologne and John Wayne Murdoch go against Team Bussy. And I was actually kind of surprised we get to see this match again because of Art of War games. I thought maybe these eight teams or however many teams, I forgot however many teams were in that, the five or six teams that were in that match. I was kind of thinking they'd all to go their separate ways start having different matchups because leading into art of war games we saw these same combinations of those six teams kind of be put in matches together so seeing this right off the bat it does make sense though because team bussy never did get their quote-unquote rematch if rematch yeah uh, the uh win back their titles i know gcw doesn't really follow that all the time sometimes they will say that but um i am not going to complain seeing this match again i definitely won't complain seeing him all against each other again at some point, but I just think right afterwards was kind of too soon for my taste. But of course, they went crazy. We had a lot of weapons, a lot of action everywhere, and they definitely made this match uh, main event worthy with all the destruction that they did to each other. What was your thoughts on this match? Okay, I must admit, I think the Mega Bastards sounds like a Transformers group. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like. If they were more grown up, I think that the Decepticons and the Mega Bastards would have to fight for something. I just don't know what it would be. <laughs> uh, the Bastards really work well together. No shit. I don't know if they're still playing up like they don't like each other here and there, but it seems like they're really getting along well most of the time. Alex yeah. Cologne's even wearing the yeah. vest, even. That's what kind of makes me like, I was thinking that same thing that you were thinking, but as soon as I saw Alex Cologne start wearing the vest, I'm like, Oh, they are pretty friendly now. Maybe they put aside, yeah. put aside their differences and are going to start working well together as a team. Because we saw the first time they teamed against each other in Vegas where that did not end up the the no. way that we all... Well, probably ended up the way we all thought it would have ended with uh, 
Alex Cologne turning on John Wayne Murdoch and hitting him with the with the light tubes. But uh, I do like to see them. I kind of as a cohesive unit in the ring, but still have their differences outside the ring, like on their name and on the vest and all that stuff. So yeah. I like kind of like the good guy, bad guy feeling of a tag team because they do work together in ring as a team and they tell a good story outside of the in ring action as they don't really like each other as a team. And so these two guys that don't get along, they eventually find common ground. And it is in the fact that as a team, they wear purple. I found that fantastic. These two tough guys and they pick purple. And of course, because of the belts and that's representative, I think it's fantastic. I just thought it was funny when Ooh, I, I didn't, didn't quite get that. it at first. I get yeah, it man. I never caught that. Yeah, yeah. They wear the purple because that's the purple tag team belts. Good catch. I like it. Yeah. And, and there's so many there's so many hardcore tag team titles um, across the globe. I would like to see possibly more of them come into GCW maybe for fun. Um, we have so many death matchers and we have so many awesome people that also can wrestle that it would be cool to some of the, see some of these people come over here on a bigger stage and maybe do it. Um, Effie has some serious cupping marks and I only announced that just because it was kind of a funny little thing to say. Nick Wayne had a lot too. Many, oh man, yeah, he was covered in them. Uh, not as many weapons or bleeding in this match, which was kind of interesting because normally it is between these two teams. Cologne and Allie, though, they did take serious beatings. They were the ones that really earned their check that night. A lot of bussy chants, and bussy was farting uh, farting really hard. <laughs> they were fighting really hard for those belts. Um, that's what I think. What's your opinions on this one? Oh, it was fun. It was, as you said, <laughs> they didn't bring out as many weapons as I thought as well, knowing all four of these competitors, especially the Mega Bastards and how violent they like to get. So, um... Yeah, Alley Catch and Alex Cologne definitely. <laughs> I think John Wayne Murray's like, hey, I took my ass kicking in uh in London in Liverpool. It's your turn, Alex. Like, I need to yep, break you. Yep. <laughs> like, I like that that kind of. <laughs> that's what I felt during this match. Is like John Wayne's still trying to recover because this was like shortly after that Liverpool's uh, shows. So yeah. I know they they had a lot of traveling with that and a lot of injuries that came along with those. Just based off of all the violence that they had in their matches in Liverpool. So, um. This was fun. I do very much like the team of Alex Cologne and John Wayne Murdoch. Like I, I've said a couple different times, I know Alex Cologne seemed like he was about to take the big break. Maybe he's still going to, but I kind of like this, uh, him and John Wayne Murdoch holding the tag team titles, kind of uh, extending his stay before he takes his break and we get to see more of them. Yes, yeah. Um, I, I just, it's same thing as with all wrestlers. He just seems a lot more happier and what he did when he was talking about hey, yeah, I'm going to be taking yeah. the breaks and stuff. It is nice seeing him enjoying himself. And I will have to say this. I think this for our LA, I could be wrong. I think that's the second or third time Alex Cologne has been in LA, like during one of these shows. Yeah, he's because, not a traveler uh, on some of that. And I, he wants to, though. He always talks about that in the, the podcast. Uh, like Steve and A, like, hey, you're going to be in Vegas? Like, our time in Vegas. That was the first time I think he's been in Vegas during the what like that that uh that event. So I think I'd love seeing him all the time. So I just know that they're like, hey, how come you're not going to be on the show? He's like, I don't know. Talk to the Booker man. I I'm I'm sitting here. I'm ready. I want to go to Vegas. Like I know he really wanted to go against Rena in Vegas, but uh he's he had that in a tag match at least. Um, I just love. <laughs> I love the team of the Mega Bastards because they're so good with their in-ring style, but they are kind of very different in the way they do it, everything. But 
they're like two of the top deathmatch wrestlers in the world for a reason and them holding the tag team titles is just very fun seeing um how much they've been defending them too because Ali Catch and uh Effie I think they had a great run with the tag titles I'm kind of glad I'll go into the ending the Mega Bastards do win so I am kind of glad they kind of did not win the tag team titles because as we talked about I think maybe there could be the time for them to kind of do their own little thing here but I think as a kind of a way to maybe start wrapping up Team Bussy of hey here's your tag here's your rematch and then we got something planned for you guys uh as singles competitors, not as a team, but whenever they need to throw them in together as a team, it's always there for the taking. So I kind of like the flexibility that they have with that. And um, yeah, this was a fun match. This was perfect for the UCC crowd. So I was surprised there was minimal blood. That's kind of just a little bit of my wrap up on that one. It was a good defense by the Mega Bastards. Again, I'm happy that the title stays in one place and it gets consistently defended. The champion means the champion. I mm-hmm. like that. And I will echo again, Ali's best foot forward as a wrestler has been in Bussy. And I hope it kind of stays that way because when she when she has to be serious and put down the damage, she can take it and put it down. So I really do like that. Now, here we go. I've got two great questions for you. You ready for your thinking cap? We haven't done this recently. Hold on, let me put they it came on the up. best. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, We're good. all right, all right, here we go. <clears throat> So the first question is, Cologne will be taking a break soon. Who did they drop that title to? Who did they drop those belts to? In your eyes, who carries? I really wish Los Masis had a better run, longer run. That's okay. first, my first yeah. answer because I don't think that – I really think that – well, they kind of all hot potatoed that title like, uh-huh. for, yeah. the, for those couple of shows right before it got into the Art of War. I yeah my my first one is Los Macisos. I want to see Los Macisos a lot more, and I think that was my answer. Yeah, but Los just Macisos FYI, yeah. Okay, and for our second question, um, so when it comes to thinking about how I say and we agree with how a person can get on the microphone and it enhances who they are, it brings out more of the character, so we get to know more of who they are, and I think we can also agree there are some characters that are best stayed off of a microphone like Kane, for instance, back in the day with somebody you didn't want on a microphone. He was the big red machine at one point. And, you know, he was just out there for destruction. Now, knowing all of this and with that setup with Cologne, do you think he's better with or without a mic as a character? Without. Because kind of when he was the whole, their whole spiel when him and John Wayne Murdoch were having their thing, it just seemed like always Alex Cologne was like, I'm the one that's here. You have to work all the time because you're not as good as I am. It, you're quality, quantity over quality, and I'm, I might wrestle a third of the time that you do, and I'm quality over quantity. I don't need to bust my ass. And then, like, it just seemed like it was always that, where he was always, like, saying, like, yeah, I don't yeah. have to wrestle as much as you do because I'm better than you. And it just seemed like it was always, like, this is my house. This ain't your stuff. It, 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 I don't know. I didn't really like it. The only one I kind of liked, but then it kind of, like, crossed and blurred the lines was when he originally beat John Wayne Murdoch and grabbed his shit and threw it in the ring. It's like, get the fuck out. Like, I loved that intensity. <laughs> I absolutely loved yeah. that intensity. And it blurred the line. And I was like, damn, did he just like really just disrespect John Wayne Murdoch like that? But then the next couple promos that like when he came out afterwards, when um, John Wayne Murdoch, I think he hit, uh, I think that's when he hit KG. And like the locker room, Alex Cologne came out. The locker room had to hold Alex Cologne back because Alex Cologne could have wrestled that night. 
he was like medically unclear, That's but he right. wanted to get in the ring and um, they had to hold him back. Uh, it was, I didn't like those promos too much. It was just seemed like, it gotcha. just seemed a lot of it was forced, but that original promo, I loved the intensity and like how it blurred the line. So he could talk, but I just think he has, I don't, I'd rather see him in a ring than talking. Gotcha. Because for me, it seems like he's the quiet storm. He's the guy that if you're going to go into GCW, you have to go through him. And I think the less you know about him, the more you see in the ring, I think the more you get the point of his character. But then when he speaks, yeah. it gives it a way more value because it matters yes. what he's saying. Like, wait a minute. We don't hear from him. He's the God of our, well, not the God of our stuff. That's Nick Cage. But like, he's right now the key. Oh, that's Nick Cage as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's the leader of our deathmatch division. So like, we only really yeah. see him delivering the violence, but he's always nice and quiet. But when it's time for him to speak, it's going to have a lot of power behind his words. And I yes. do like that factor for sure. But this I one, think yeah, did this we announce the winner? Night. Yeah. Mega Bastards. Oh, we did? Okay. So Mega Bastards did pick up the victory uh, as John Wayne Murdoch had a submission on Alley Catch for the victory and for the Mega Bastards to retain their tag team titles. And that will be the wrap of or the last match of the night. And this was a very fun show. It did, as you made mention, it felt like it felt good to be back home in the state, especially at the UCC. Yeah, dude. Like yeah. It, it felt very nice, even though this was a quick a one one stop shop where they did this one show, and then they go to Japan. It was very, uh, I think it was a very good breath of fresh air. Hey, we're back home, familiar breath of fresh air. It kind of felt like, hey, we didn't lose our roots. We kind of had fun over there. Not that anybody was thinking that. It just after three shows somewhere else, it kind of felt nice for them to be back somewhere familiar that we see all the time. And uh, I definitely think it ended up turning into a pretty good card after it sounded like it was going to be a rough night with travel issues and other things. I definitely think the action of the night uh, made up for any possible things that could have gone wrong. It was, it was a great card. I loved it. I actually, last couple of LA shows, I've been really liking it. I, uh, the Joey, the heartbreak and hotel, like after the rioting that the Joey caused the next couple of LA shows kind of felt a little different where this one felt very, very fun. And I enjoyed every second. So I think this was like a vacation going to england but you know it's nice to come home and sleep in your own bed when it's all over with i mm. think that's what was going on with, yeah. we're like okay they've been out there they've been out there but then when they get settled back at home and you know they're tired it still felt great and it was still really fun to watch and i i really enjoyed this show and and yeah it the similarity like the, no i'm sorry the familiarity felt just felt like home yeah I 1000% agree. And we got to see a lot more competitors and what we did in Liverpool, because obviously there's, they didn't bring the, well, not that they, they don't even have a roster, but like we always say they're regulars, they're normal traveling crew. Like they didn't bring everyone that we've saw like on this show uh, in Liverpool. So it was nice to see a Hunter Freeman, um, uh, those two, um, Maldito and Archangel, it was nice seeing them. Like for the first time, it was just being introduced to those guys. It just it was very nice seeing Jack Cartwheel and those people that we see at GCW all the time, usually uh, back in a GCW ring at the Ukrainian Culture. And that will lead us into our memorable moments of the evening. John, I'll let you go ahead and go first. Okay, so I'm going to repeat myself, but I think it's worth mentioning. We do not give enough credit to GCW for not bouncing around those belts all the time needlessly. And I just wanted to touch on it again. Uh, I think it just needs to be said more. 
I don't know the reasoning for it. Maybe they just say, look, it's going to stay on you and that's just how it's going to be. I don't care. I just like the fact that it's there. It's being defended. We have fighting champions. That's all I really care about. As long as there's somebody I can get behind too, because I like to always have somebody I, I give a shit about as the flag carrier. The opening match was fantastic. Um, between the Archangel and Ultimo, the brothers, they each have only eight years of experience. So, wow, almost nine, but eight right now. The Cole Radrick match, uh, I'm sorry, the Radrick match with Cartwheel. Wow, I think I've gotten tired over the last, <laughs> since we've talked. The, the Cole Cartwheel match was fantastic. The co-main events, I see why they were called that because Gresham should have been almost a main event, say if he wasn't injured, maybe they would have bumped it up there. But the last match of the night too, with the bussy thing, that was very close to a main event, but to me, it didn't feel like a full main event. So having a co-main event here made sense. And I think booking understood that too. Um, and the last one of the night, I'm sorry. The, yes. The last one of the night, Hunter Freeman's coming out party. We have a new we have a new baby at GCW, not just all oh, we have somebody stopping through. No, we have an accepted member by the, you know, the staff, by the fans. Um, so welcome in, Hunter. Um, stay a while, bro. Yeah, I think, too, like that we don't really see them kind of grow deathmatch rust. Like I right. from my, from my opinion, like the only three I've actually seen them like, hey, grow as deathmatch wrestlers through GCW was Cole Radrick, number one. Um, Drew Parker a little bit because he, but he's been always doing the deathmatch wrestling stuff. But seeing Hunter Freeman kind of like, I don't see him doing these deathmatch. Well, now we kind of see him doing deathmatch rest, uh, wrestling in some of these other companies that we're aware of. But for the majority, we haven't really seen him do deathmatches in another company except GCW. Because kind of seeing like homegrown deathmatch talent and Cole Radrick and Hunter Freeman kind of growing and elevating their status participate in these tournaments for their first time or their second time and to kind of see how much they've evolved and grown as we started cheering to see more of them. So I did like, like that kind of part of Hunter Freeman kind of growing up in front of our eyes, uh, especially for like the West coast version of the, the East coast, Cole Radrick kind of seeing his growth and stuff like that. It's very nice seeing Hunter Freeman doing that for deathmatch for GC. Um, Rena, Rena, before I forget it, yep. Rena is another one where we kind of helped birth her. She was somebody who was in the deathmatch scene. But if I'm if I'm correct, I think it was Cologne that said before she went out or right after she was finished at, with her win at the Las Vegas show, she had never won a deathmatch against a male. Yep. And she was just through the roof. And also the fans at that show was just so absolutely through the roof about her. Yeah, that I guess she was just ecstatic for the next I don't know how many days because she did not have any idea of how she was going to go over here and how well it was going to go over. So I would say let's definitely put her in the boat, too, as somebody who we have taken under our wing and she has grown and we trust her so much. She went off to another continent with the belt. Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, that's saying something. And like she kind of has like I think of the year the two biggest pops I could think of that I've seen was Rena beating Alex Cologne that pop was incredible and Cole yes. Radrick the pops that he got uh, like his coming out party for the de the death match that he had with Orn Vite it's been like those are two great coming out parties where it's like Rena probably got the pop of the year that I think from winning that belt because it was so cool seeing the crowd that fully behind her and then her actually winning was kind of a shock to a lot of people. 
because of that fact you just said where hey like she's going to be going back to japan and they don't let her win in japan and you're giving our belt to her to be over there like what's going to happen but they trust her they trust what's going on out there and hopefully some changes are being made because rena's pop out here is definitely definitely one where we want to see her all the time and see her win because she's been earning it and killing it so it's been nice to see her get that reaction I will head into my memorable moments. I'll just kind of touch base real fast just on each match because like, I think each match has something that I kind of want to say just to end off the night. Uh, seeing Davino and Maldito go against each other, please. We need to see them back either one-on-one again yes. or throw them into the scrambles and see what they could do with Gringo, ASF, and all the other amazing uh, talent that GCW has been putting in these scrambles because I would definitely want to see those two in a GCW ring. Um, Starboy Janela going against South Pacific Savages. I kind of just really hope that this cage match in LA the next time they're out there is the f- finality of it. Hopefully, we can see Starboy kind of get bigger one on one matches and kind of elevate himself and keep that progression that he's has had over the last uh few months since his return. And hopefully, the South Pacific Savages with Toa Leona now they can kind of go on a sa- uh, <laughs> a savage tour of just destroying the GCW locker room. Yes, and kind of. Yes saying it's our house and stuff like that. I think that they can do a lot of stuff with that. Um, Jordan, nice seeing Jordan get another victory over Kevin Blackwood. Keep up his momentum. Hopefully all these wins will turn into something here in the near future once we get a winner of Moxie and Gage. Um, Cole Radjic, Jack Cartwheel, just seeing two competitors, seeing them grow and get way more confident in their abilities and seeing it happen in front of us and during this match was fun. This was a nice, fun match and it just... Seeing the growth of these two competitors is awesome. Uh, Titus getting a big match against Blake Christian. He definitely held his own. Definitely proved that he belongs in a GCW ring or any other ring for that matter. But selfishly in a GCW ring. And I want to see more of him. Same thing kind of as uh, uh, Starboy. Seeing him kind of have bigger fights and gets bigger names. And see where they keep on growing from then. Uh, the the Southern, Southern Boy Deathmatch match of the night. Mance Warner absolutely killed it hunter freeman welcome to ngi can't wait to see what you could do there right baby scramble match seeing old b-boy just i love seeing old b-boy coming back and same thing confidence wise we can see the confidence in him and how much he's not improved but fully healed and he's get to see the old b-boy and how he used to do uh jonathan gresham nick wayne i just want to see that one again 100 percent healthy and given way more time. And I know the time was based off their health. So nothing they could do with that. Good way, though, to give us a little appetizer whenever they do announce that match again. We know what to expect, and it's going to be a fun match. And the Mega Bastards retaining the titles, the tag team titles. I'm glad I went to see Team Bussy kind of do their own thing now. Go out and fight for their different belts or have these other, keep on having crazy dream matches and keep killing it as singles competitors. And as needed, bring them back to kind of re- reunite Team Bussy. I would just want to see uh, see what they could do now that they've kind of did the tag, tag title run and face a lot of different competitors and help elevate the tag titles. I would kind of like to see them elevate each other in singles competition. But fantastic show. I loved it. That was a great show. Once again, I'm kind of mad I didn't go to that LA show. But I have now definitely got tickets to the next LA show. That they announced uh, during this card. They will be back in LA. On October 29th. Right before Halloween. And I will definitely be at that one. And watching the South Pacific Savages. Enjoy Janela in a cage match. 
Thank God it's in a cage because I will feel more safe watching it. He has to get out of a cage before he could get to me on the out. <laughs> and that will be it for GCW Plant Podcast yeah. episode 26. Uh, we will be covering <laughs> Japan show, the three Japan shows that they had. Uh, we don't know yet if we're going to put them out separately or just do one big one because uh, they were a lot shorter shows and we are still trying to play catch up right before Fight Club this weekend. So um, let's keep an ear out. Let's look on Twitter. Uh, we'll announce if we're going to just do one mega show or three little mini shows. But we are playing catch up and we're almost there because I cannot wait to watch the Fight Club shows this weekend and discuss all that on episode future episodes once we're all caught up. But next few episodes, we will be covering GCW's tour of Japan as they had three shows out there. They had Planet Death, uh, Dead on Arrival, and War Ready. Oh, they actually had four shows because then if we yeah, got to yeah. do the GCW, the Freedom Show, that was a that looks like a fun show as well. But the GCW did have three specific. ECW produce shows in Japan and we will be covering all of them and be ready for a lot of violence because a lot of death matches happened in Japan with the GCW roster. And then the freedom show, I don't, I may or may not have access to watch that one. The oh, three yeah. on fight TV. On. I can watch. Yeah. That one was on a different, uh, maybe that was on a website somewhere, I think, but yeah. I was just going to tell you ahead of time and maybe tell the people I'm not a hundred percent if we're going to be able to do that one. It was on Samurai TV of which I don't know where, what that is. I'd have to do some research. However, if I can find it, we'll definitely do it. Yeah. We're up for anything. We can just kind of yeah. give them a rundown of what the results happen. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is I am, but I'm not seeing a lot of uh, GCW people. Like there is a lot less than I would normally cover if it was an outside show. Like oh, okay. on this one, I have uh, like the main event has Cole and Janela versus two gentlemen. Um, oh yeah. Rena, Nick, Effie, Jordan. Yeah. There's not a lot. There's right. really not a lot. There's uh, I mean, way less than half the card to be fair. Yeah. The so. first couple matches, mostly freedoms. And then those, Second half of the card is where GCW infiltrated the cards and match. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, but- we'll see what happens with that show. If anything, we'll just do a quick little rundown. And if anything yeah. does come above or come from those shows, we could discuss it. But as of right now, that match already did happen about a week ago. So we haven't heard of anything about it. But if we do uh, a discussion point, we will definitely discuss it on. And uh, and I wish it was covered a little heavier, too, because this is GCW's 13th anniversary show. So freedoms you know, maybe we should talk about that. The freedoms? Oh, is it? I think. I don't think GCW's been around that long. Yeah. Let's counter no, the JCW shows. They haven't. Yeah, the no, JCW that's, era. That's freedoms. Yeah. That's freedoms. But, uh, yeah, GCW hasn't been 13 years yet. I'll say if so, uh, in, this, more, in this incarnation. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, in this incarnation, no. But these Japan the these Japan shows will be fun to cover. Um there was a lot of great action, a lot of a lot of violence, a lot of blood. Uh, a lot of interesting matchups, too. So we will definitely be covering all those. But like I said, keep an ear out on Twitter or we'll announce it when we're doing the podcast if it's going to be one mega one or three different ones. But we will be covering those. And then uh, shortly after that, we will be covering GCW's Fight Club Night 1 and 2 and JCW versus The World. On behalf of myself and Mr. John J. Wolf, we will see you on our next episode. 
And just as always, we will get it right one of these times. Long, Long live, live G- oh, fuck. GT. Uh, Where'd you go? W. w. Oh, it's just sad. <laughs>